and welcome back to Travel Minded, the podcast. On today's episode, we are joined by Dean Stott. Dean is a former Special Forces soldier who left the military after suffering a severe injury. He has since become a record-breaking explorer and adventurer while establishing a successful career as a motivational speaker. Hello, Dean, and thank you for coming on the Travel Minded podcast. It's great to have you here. So you have been to some amazing places. What do you enjoy the most about traveling? I like to be pleasantly surprised. You know, I like to learn about new things. You know, for me, I'm very, I'm very similar to my, my father. You know, when we used to go on holiday as kids, even if it was from like, you know, Surrey down to, 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 uh, to Cornwall, to Newquay. My, my dad would have the road atlas out and he'd be yeah. planning the route. And you're like, that is only like two roads. But he'd be working out, you know, the mileage of the car, when we would be filling up, you know, what service station we'd start. You know, there was that sort of planning detail, which I, I've obviously taken from him as, as well. But for me, I like to, when I know I'm going somewhere, I like to read about as much as I can um, before getting there. Um, but, you know, my wife, even, even now with the kids, you know, when we go there, I've already got a plan. Like, yeah. I'm doing today. My wife's like, I, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to spend the whole holiday by the swimming pool. No, they'd love to, the kids, but, you know, <laughs> by the swimming pool and things that I like to, you know, not, not push their faces in it, but sort of, you know, drip feed them some of the, lo- the local stuff and the local um, ways of life. And, and for them, they, they, they love it. You know, they, they love, you know, seeing local kids and the way that they live as well. And then always tell them how lucky they are with their oh, iPad. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I really rub their nose in it. Yeah, but, um, <laughs> but for me, I like to be just like to be pleasant, pleasantly surprised. I love. I always will try the local um, food, or always try the local cuisine. It's very easy to just go stick with steak and chips or, or something like that. But for me, yeah, I, I do like local cuisine. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Have you found traveling has changed since you're now traveling as a family? Like, I'm sure sometimes it has its obstacles and it has its challenges, but is it also just amazing being able to go on these adventures as a family? Yeah, it is. We were very, you know, sort of going back before the children here, when I, when I met my wife, Alana, we talked about our first holiday to Jamaica and it was like, you know, I, I thought we were moving house, the amount yeah. of luggage that we had. Uh, so the next holiday, we just, you know, we just, I said, right, we're not having any, it's, it's, it's a day sack. You, you take a little bag and, and that is it. And we put 10 destinations we always wanted to go to in a hat and pulled it out. It was actually Morocco. Um, and so that's what we did. We just took a day sack each and spent two weeks going across Morocco. So we'd experienced one way of traveling to another way of traveling. We love that. Um, we also then, when we had Molly, our first daughter, um, a lot of people say, well, that's it then, you know, you, you can't travel. And yeah. I think, no, you shouldn't be dictated by, by your children. So my daughter, by the age of 18 months, she'd been to Australia three times. Um, you know, she's been to Dubai, she's been to Thailand, she's been to Alaska. You know, they've, they've been all, they come everywhere with us. So we don't let the children sort of hinder our, our, our travel, travel movements. And, and they're very flexible. You know, a lot of people say, because we've now just moved to America for them. And we had to spend 14 days in Mexico before we came here because of quarantine. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, because you can't just come straight in. So we said, well, well, we'll go to we'll go to Mexico and make a holiday. We went to Veracruz and the kids are just happy. They're, they just, they, as long as mum and dad are there, they'll just go along along with it. My, they're a bit like myself. They're, they're water babies. They love the water. So 
you know, if the sun's shining and they can get in the sea, they'll, they'll love it. Oh, I bet they're loving living in California. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. My, my son, uh, literally, it's winter here and a lot of the Californians have uh, got their jackets and jumpers on. It's still like 21 degrees. My, my son, you know, he's still in his shorts. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that's lovely. I'm sure that you visited some dangerous places when you were in military service. How do you think that had an impact on your mental health and how you see traveling now? Yeah, well, I was, I was, very, I was very fortunate that I, I didn't, you know, I didn't suffer from, from uh, PTSD or mm. post-traumatic stress, actually, so it's not a disorder. Um, but, but for me, um, you know, I was very fortunate in that aspect. You know, some, it did affect some of my, my friends, which is why, obviously, I wanted to highlight that when I, when I did the charity. But um, I think the military was a great uh, grounder for me when traveling um, because, uh, you know, traveling wise, you see the tourist side and I was then exposed to the side that the world don't see. Um, so for me, it was a real, I don't think I would be as more of an explorer if it wasn't for that sort of military experience going to places. Like, for example, when you go to Belize, everyone thinks, oh, yeah, well, we'll, we'll go diving. Well, no, we're not. We're in the middle of a jungle in the middle of nowhere and, and things like that. But I would see things that you wouldn't see, you know, the actual wildlife, the macaws, the orangutans uh, and things like that. So so for me, I'm thankful for the military of, of having those experiences. You know, another one when we, get, when we go to, um, you know, we went to Romania uh, skiing. Uh, but, it's, you know, it sounds really like a holiday, but it's not. It's military skiing, so it's, it's, it's nothing like that at all. Um, but you're out in the wilderness on your own. And I remember me and one of the guys at the back and we could hear, hear this noise coming up behind us. And it was actually a mother with a bear with her cubs. Oh, wow. You know, coming up. But yeah. So it's just things like that. I really, I really love about the military and what I got to see, which you probably wouldn't see on, on a normal on a normal holiday. Um, yeah. But again, that, that knowledge of, well, yeah, the world isn't, all dangerous you know but it, it did make me it didn't make me naive to think it, it wasn't you know it just gave me that fine balance of of, of what is risky and what isn't and, and where you can cross the line but then it gave us also exposure to to the locals you know when we go over in these countries we, we work with the locals um you know everyone has this perception especially with the special forces that it's all about you know war fighting and offensive action actually that's 25 percent what we do 50 percent what we do is is called support and influence it's hearts and minds it's getting embedded with the local tribes with a local bedouin and you know and that's what i really really enjoyed about my time in the military because you know you're seeing things and speaking to people you know your friends back home will never experience and so that was a luxury yeah and obviously it's just helped mold you into who you are today and yeah. what you do all the challenges and all the um adventures that you plan <laughs> yeah well that's it I think as well you know for my challenges as well you know people saying oh we cycled through Mexico and Colombia must have been dangerous as that it probably was but the Colombians are massive cyclists they love cycling the amount of guys who used to come and girls just come out and like you know come along with you um but you know having that sort of knowledge before helps me with these challenges so we're just starting to open it out where people can come come with myself i'm now working with a couple of conservation uh, charities as well and you know there's opportunities there that the general public can come along and and take part in that and also the great thing about them is you can mix it up it's not just solely 
uh, on conservation, you can have a nice holiday, a beach holiday or whatever, and then come in into the safari. So we're working on some of those projects. And for me as well, with my own challenges, I, I obviously I've done the bike, the bike ride recently. Uh, my next one is to kayak the River Nile. Um, oh, wow. unlike, yeah, unlike the bike ride, which was a world record, you know, no one would, would want to volunteer to come on something like that. I'm, I'm not doing that for the Nile. The Nile is to, is to um, pretty much share the wonders of Africa, really, the cultures, the wildlife, the conservation. But there's so many stories along the way. So I'm, I'm going to open that up to people as well if they want to come join me on, you know, don't have to do the full 4,280 miles, you know, that'd be ludicrous. But uh, if they want to come join at certain stages, we'll give them that opportunity. And uh, get to see places they probably wouldn't get to see with a normal travel agent. Uh, yeah, definitely. Um, with my my time in the, in the military, and especially in the private security sector, I worked all over Africa and the Middle East. And there's some real hidden gems which you don't see because... For example, I'll, I'll give you an example is Somalia. I love Somalia. You know, it's really? got the, yeah, it's got the largest coastline in, in Africa. And because of the piracy, it hasn't been commercially fished for, for years. So there's such an abundance of wildlife. You know, when I go there, we go spearfishing just south of Mogadishu and, you know, go grab lobsters. Um, but if, if you didn't know you were in Somalia, you, you would have thought you were, you were somewhere else. Um, yeah. and, and that's what I mean. Unfortunately, because of the security situations, People don't get to to experience them, and that's where I'm sort of looking at with myself as well. If you eliminate the security threat, we will deal with that. Then you know, let's let's get involved with some of the tourism um, industries and and some of the you know Somali tourism tourism or Rwanda tourism and, and get them involved um, because you know one day there will be peace, and then people will get to sort of experience these places. Uh, so yeah, that's that's one thing I'd like to share. Yeah, that's brilliant. And I think when you go traveling, it's all about the cultures and you have people that will just go traveling just to visit the nice five star resorts and live that luxury life, which is fine for some people. Yeah. But also it's great to experience the cultures firsthand from the locals, kind of putting your um, kind of standing in someone else's footsteps, really, and taking yeah. in the country that way. Yeah, I, I, I understand that people are probably a bit more risk averse than myself. So, you know, I probably would, would push those boundaries a bit more than others. But if they knew it was safe, um, then, yeah, I, I think people would, would love to do that. I, I do get upset when you go to my first holiday with my wife, actually went to Jamaica and, you know, we, we did the whole all inclusive in, in the hotel. And there, there was guests there who didn't didn't leave the hotel. And then it's like, well, we we decided, well, we don't want to go downtown where Hard Rock Cafe and things. We want to see the local stuff. Yeah. And we, we asked the locals, you know, the, the guy, the concierge, he said, well, uh, there's a place called Mamas, which is up there. But, you know, even he was like, ah. So me and my wife went up there and it was just, yeah, it was amazing food. It was in, it was in a Tupperware tub. Um, but actually people saw us and appreciated the fact that we, they knew we weren't lost for a start. Um, but they'd appreciate the fact that we, we, hadn't gone down the normal tourist route and 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 uh, looked to see what what else was on offer and I think people will be pleasantly surprised um you know again doesn't help with the world of media as in yeah. the news that you know a lot of these in um cultures and a lot of these regions are tarnished with one brush because of a very 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 small minority 
Um, you know, I've been very fortunate to be in Yemen, Somalia, Libya, and work with the locals, and they are so so hospitable. Um, it, and that that's what I like to share when I when I go go on challenges, but also when I go away, is I always like to to learn about different cultures. Yeah, definitely. And so for people that are listening, people that don't necessarily know about your world records and the yeah. amazing adventures that you've been on, I just find it really impressive that you set two world records from the 14,000 mile Pan Highway route, yeah. really. I think yeah. we should tell all the listeners about that adventure. Tell us more about kind of yeah. what inspired you to go on the trip um, and kind of what you experienced along the way. So, so my, my inspiration, I, I didn't really think of it. I worked, you know, for the listeners, I was ex-Special Forces. I got injured uh, after 16 years. Um, and then I worked in the private security industry, which I've, I've touched on already. Um, in 2014, I, I single-handedly evacuated the Canadian Embassy out of Libya on my own, 18 military and four diplomats. And there's various stories like that. You know, there's numerous stories similar to that. And... Actually, again, that's where I touch on about the cultures. You know, if it wasn't for the locals, I wouldn't have been able to, 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 to do that. I came home from that trip and my wife had highlighted I'd only been home 21 days in a 365-day calendar. So something, something had to change. And so I decided to hang up my, my security boots for a while and stay at home. My wife was a property developer. So she said, look, you come do property developing with me. But you can imagine with my, my sort of backstory, I wasn't really interested you know, in these drawings and these architects' drawings, and you yeah. know, I know that she's more. Well, I could see the glaze over my eyes. It's like, right, you need to do something. <laughs> but I, 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 the reason I exited the special force, I had a parachuting injury, and this is five years uh, before. So my injured leg now was two kilos lighter than my good leg because of the muscle wastage. So I, I, I just bought a push bike, just cycled to and from the office, only about eight miles there, eight miles back, but straight away being active again. You know, I felt like there was a huge, huge weight off my shoulders. I felt, you know, a little bit free. I wasn't doing big things, but, you know, for me, it was just my own little, my own little space where I could clear my mind. And it was, yeah, it was about a month before my 40th birthday. So I was, I was having a midlife crisis ground rush. And I was like, right, what, am I, what do I need to do or what do I, what I like to do? And I'd always fancied doing a world record. So, so yeah, I, I was thinking, well, I lived in Scotland at the time. So I was thinking more Aberdeen to Dundee. And my wife then found the world's longest road. Uh, it's 14,000 <laughs> Clearly wanted me out of the house. Uh, 14,000 miles, which is the southern point of Argentina to northern Alaska. So just to, uh, to give you a comparison, because of the curvature of the earth, it's equivalent to cycling from London to Sydney and wow. then another 4,000 miles. It's that, it's that long. So, but for me, I'd, I'd worked in Africa, I'd worked in the Middle East. What I was on offer, I'd been to America and things like that, but what was on offer here was for me to see South America and Central America. I'd been to a couple of little other places, but not the whole, um, the whole continent. And that was the attraction to me, was that, well, I'm going to see places I've never seen before and experience cultures. And, and that's what I did. I then, having only cycled 20 miles, I applied for the world record. Um, and Guinness came back and said, you've been successful. And then I then started putting the planning and the training um, together. And then campaign-wise, we decided, um, you know, I, I like always like to do stuff for charity, a lot of philanthropy work. And uh, so, you know, going to massively name drop. So I called a friend, he's called Prince Harry, and I told him what I was doing. 
and he he made me aware of his uh, mental health campaign called Heads Together, um, which was this. Um, and when I called him, this was 2016. This was five years ago, so no one had ever even heard of this campaign then. And so we sat down. We talked about mental health throughout the whole of society. You know, I'd seen it firsthand in the military, but not how it affects everyone. You know, if it doesn't discriminate. So I thought, perfect. That's the uh, that's the campaign that we'll do it for, and we now had the challenge. So that's we just then went to work on that. No, that's amazing. And so, am I correct in thinking that you go through fourteen countries as part of that cycling journey? Yeah. Yeah. And how did you? Yeah, fourteen countries. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I know. I, I enjoy. No, I was very fortunate. Being in the military, I'd, I'd worked in the jungle, I'd worked in the desert, I've worked in the Arctic, so I've experienced that. But I've never done it on a bike. Um, so, so for me, the Pan American Highway is it's a road. As long as you stick on the road, you know, no, it's fine. You, the, the 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 advantage of that is that you know it's a big highway and you you can get good speed and, and stuff like that. The disadvantage is that. A lot of the nice tourist resorts and things that you'd like to see when you go to these countries aren't near that highway. Yeah. You know, for example, when I went to when I was in Peru, I, I was going up. I, I came up the, the west coast, so I was handrailing the, the, the coastline. Whereas I know that all the all the tourist attractions are in the east, <laughs> so uh, so I didn't really get get to to see much of of, of the tourist attractions. But culture wise, you know. I now live in America, so I need to be careful what I say, but actually the people in South America and Central America were so hospitable. Uh, you know, these people literally don't have much money to live on and they were sharing everything. And, and then you get to lights of America and Canada and all that, they just turn their nose up at you. So it's amazing the, 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 the difference. Um, but for me, yeah, it, it was great. You know, we had everything from plus 47 degrees in the Atacama Desert to minus 18 in Alaska, you know, so the, the temperature changes were amazing. No, nutrition-wise, you know, I mean, each country has, its, has their own sort of palate as well. So yeah. very easy to say, well, this is your nutrition plan. You know, it's whatever's available. So in Patagonia, it was ham and cheese or cheese and ham. <laughs> um, when we get to Chile, it was like chicken and rice. So, um, so it was nice, but nice to really get immersed in in those local communities so it's i you know my challenges aren't i as a challenger would do challenges other challenges probably wouldn't do because they'd look at the security situation and say no we just can't do it whereas i i'm happy with that and it's like well what can we do in in these countries so i'm sort of pushing the boundaries there brilliant and my final question that i like to ask all of my guests is where is on your bucket list Wow, on my bucket list. Um, ooh, I, I am a lover for the water. You, you probably see it on my website, Dean Stop the Frogman. And and the reason for that actually is, you know, as a young boy, I was surfing. I was a senior dive instructor for the army. I went to the special boat service. My my passion is anywhere around around the water. I've been very fortunate though to do other stuff like skiing. You know, I'm a ski instructor in the military and everything else but anything water-based for me so my wife and I went to the Maldives for a honeymoon um that was that was amazing um so we we've always fancied Bora Bora yeah um so Bora Bora and Hawaii and now being here in 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 California it's now only a five-hour flight rather than a a, a just around the corner really for you so that (laughs) 
that'll be one that that'll be one i think next for the family and that'll, that'll be a big bucket list for myself oh that's brilliant well thank you so much for coming on the podcast it's been great oh, to absolute have you. Pleasure. Don't forget to subscribe to the Travel Minded Podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Travel Minded the Podcast. This podcast is brought to you in partnership with Justice Abroad. Justice Abroad was founded in 2019 and is led by myself, Michael Polak, a trained barrister and expert in international law and assistance. Justice Abroad operates to ensure that people who travel overseas for work or pleasure can be confident that if anything goes wrong, there'll be someone ready to help them. We are seeing an increasing number of cases across the world where people find themselves in trouble and we've been asked to assist. Justice Abroad has a team of top investigators, lawyers around the world and support staff available to provide unparalleled support. Many people when travelling have an attitude of, it'll never happen to me, and then when something does go wrong, they feel helpless with nowhere to turn. Anyone travelling for any purpose should be aware of the issues that could arise and be prepared to get in touch with us should something go wrong. We currently have cases in Greece, China, Thailand, Somalia, Myanmar, Cyprus, Spain, Vietnam, and many other countries around the globe. The increased number of cases which are coming to us proves how frequently travellers can find themselves in trouble, often as a victim of crime or accused of offences they did not commit. Usually, travel insurance will not cover you for assistance and advice with legal problems overseas, and even where they do, the assistance can prove ineffectual and not practical. At Justice Abroad, we have an extremely hands-on approach that allows our clients to feel assured that we will deal with every aspect of their situation and ensure they have the best possible outcome. We're just as abroad and we're here when you need us.